Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some time with us here again today. If you'd like a copy of our top 10 resources based on the topics and the guests we've had on the show, please go to educationonfire.com and on that page you can put in your email and we'll send it direct to your inbox. Now today we're chatting all things English with Jane Considine. Jane is an education consultant who energises and inspires thousands of teachers every year, helping them to transform the teaching of reading, writing and spelling in the primary education phase. Now we're going to be covering Jane's career and also her books, including her recent publications, which is all about spelling. Now Jane adapted her CPD during this difficult time of 2020 and took her CPD online and it became a much needed lifeline to teachers and parents during the national lockdown. And now in her 25th year in education, we're going to get a a fun and insightful idea of how the teaching of English has changed during that time, but more importantly, how she's managed to bring together a whole group of people that are being inspired and understanding the best way to teach English. Now, just before this fun and engaging conversation, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk forward slash journal. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. And I'm truly delighted to be here. In fact, what I say to the kids often is that I'm zinging with excitement and I'm actually zinging today. So thank you, Mark. Fantastic. Well, it's great. The sun's out. We're in the middle of summer. Um, England have already won one game of football, which I think is uh, is a fantastic way to start everything off. And I think as we sort of finish off this school academic year, everything's looking good and rosy. And joyous. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm feeling really positive about the future. And um, yeah, we've got some new things coming that will make it even brighter, I hope. Fantastic. Well, I know you have um, a large following of people that join you for your live videos. And obviously, you've been in the education board for a long time. But just assuming that there's someone who doesn't know who you are and, and, and what you're all about, can you give us a little brief background in terms of where you started and how that's kind of developed into where we are today? Yeah, sure. So I suppose the kind of potted history, um, I trained as a teacher um, at Newman College, which was a Catholic teacher training uh, college. It was affiliated with Birmingham Uni, and that was in the 90s. And then I trained and went out into schools in Birmingham where I earned my teaching stripes as it were uh, in schools in Great Bar and then this is quite a, a kind of a big period of time in kind of the history of education because there was an enormous change management program put in by the Labour government to fundamentally um, overhaul curriculum and standards Uh, and it was um, kind of an English there was an English and maths push actually and it was called the National Literacy Strategy and um, I applied for one of these jobs uh, from Birmingham it was posted in Northampton uh, got this job and then 
um, had to kind of drag a husband who was teaching as well, you know, your kids who were in schools and we, you know, and a, a couple of dogs and things, you know, all of that, um, and relocated in Northampton. And that job I truly loved because even though I trained as a primary school teacher and you've got to be a jack of all trades, uh, I was, you know, uh, loved English. I wasn't great at teaching, you know, music. I know you're a musician, Mark, <laughs> you know, timbre and tempo. I ain't got a clue, as it were. So uh, then being able to go somewhere with a with a tribe of people who loved words, that was that was my dream job. And I was, I suppose, kind of one of the voice boxes for the DFE. And we um, and it was a massive CPD program. And we were out there talking about phonics and grammar and, you know, units of work with teachers. And it was truly wonderful. Uh, but near the end, I could feel that the, the job was changing and becoming less about language and more and more about um, school improvement in such a way that it was... Um, you know, I don't know, tick lists, uh, jobs for people, more pressure. And um, and you can boo and hiss because at that time I trained as an Ofsted inspector, which I can't even tell my mother about who's, uh, <laughs> who's a teacher because she wouldn't let me in the house. But, you know, it seems like you've gone to the dark side. But actually um, that kind of wearing that inspectorate hat was really insightful as well because it meant then I had a view on schools about, you know, beautiful English curriculums. But over here, a bit strange, but also like the standards agenda, how well are you doing with SATs, you know, what's happening in your school in that regard. But then that sort of view, I just came to the end of my time really at county council level and and um, as the job evolved, thought, no, I, it's English I love. I felt I was being morphed to a place I didn't enjoy as much, frankly. And uh, I thought, no, I've got more to say about English. So I left. And I left in the year, oh, well, I don't know. It's, I'll have to work that out. Um, you know, 2006. And I've been, I've been, rogue i suppose since <laughs> i love then. that rogue brilliant <laughs> i've been off grid uh but that has given me a lot of um uh, creative license freedom and actually i think why people have over time looked to me uh, particularly the teaching profession which my love for them knows no bounds quite frankly is i've was able to say as as kind of a uh, as a one woman, I was able to say what they were thinking and they felt they couldn't. So um, I kind of I could feel the sort of the litmus test mood of the country sometimes, and I could step out because of not being employed by somebody, I suppose, to say what I really felt. So that was um, kind of empowering for everybody. And then from that point. I knew that time was so precious for everybody. And the more I worked in schools, people need things that work. 
that are worth it are the best bets uh aren't going to waste their time and, and that became the nitty-gritty of my daily life and in fact I see my life as belonging to the community you know I'm about teaching and learning I'll roll up my sleeves I teach kids that's what my job's about and um and I actually really love my job Mark you know I genuinely love it I, I mean I could you have to stop me you know ask me another question <laughs> well i just i just always think that the thing that always comes across whenever i chat to people the most is when when they love what they're doing and also when they've got the freedom in order to do that and i think i can really understand all those things that you said because you know not only are you a you know a supporter of teachers and a lover of the community and, and everything that the profession has to offer but you've seen every side of it so like you say it's not just about I know a lot about this particular thing let me show you what I'm doing it's kind of I also understand where you're coming from I can make the most of that I can support you like I say the saving the time is a big thing and I think when teachers just need the time to support the children that they've got in their class anything which takes away from that I think is a waste of time you know like you're saying yeah. if you can have those resources and you can make them as brilliantly as you can and then put them into the classroom to support people then that's got to be a win-win and I love the way sort of sort of both sides of the of the sort of the private and, and, and the state sector as it were sort of come together from that way because everyone gets to win yeah absolutely and um teachers do care about the science of learning. They do care about research um, and they want the best for their children. But teachers are frazzled, they're time poor. And um, I always think what most of us need, because we're so busy, is can I have that distilled down almost on one sheet of paper. So whenever I'm working with people or schools, it's like, where are, can we write it down on one piece of paper? If it's any bigger than one piece of paper, we haven't got the capacity to carry it forward anyway. So even though, um, you know, people often get books from me or quite detailed CPD, at the end of the day, I always say, look, the big messages, we can get these on one piece of paper because a lot of teachings about, and I'll, I'll never forget when I got mentored by uh, the most gorgeous man, John Burnham, who was my Ofsted mentor, he, he would take me into a school and a lot of our work then was about data and numbers and grids and graphs. And he turned to me and said, Jane, we need to look beyond the numbers you know, teaching is about people and about relationships. And we can look at the numbers, but actually what we're trying to do here is look at something more complicated. It's a, you know, schools are a complex cocktail and interplay between lots of different um, aspects. And what we're really judging here as inspectors is do these adults, you know, have the capacity to to do more grow more because if they're on the edge you know um that's tough so i've really taken that forward in all my thinking uh, kind of around this idea of um what we give must be so worth it 
because people are so on the edge of time and capacity, you know, and life's hard, isn't it, Mark? You know, we've got kids or we haven't got kids. We've got work. We've got housework. We've got to live, got to try and socialize, got to try and relax. That's a nightmare. You know, life's tough. And, um, and we all have vulnerabilities and, you know, it's about fostering the best in adults so they can foster the best in children. And, it, and it's trying to keep, it doesn't take much to tip us over the edge, but it actually doesn't take much to kind of glue us back together. And I think we can release a lot of, um, and, and energize a lot of positive um, kindness. And I call it professional love actually, about how we look after each other, you know? And um, I think that's really crucial. No, it's crucial in our families, and and that's what schools are. You know, yeah. a family. absolutely. And can you take us into how that's changed? I mean, it's obviously going to have changed a lot very recently due to the pandemic and everything. But in terms of, like you said, sort of two thousand and six, how's your work life looked different in terms of you know purely writing, in terms of face to face CPD, and and how's that morphed obviously into recent times? Because I, I love what you said about that kind of family feel and and everyone sort of being glued together. Because I think one of the things that comes across certainly in your live streams and and all of that is the fact that. You don't have to be isolated anymore. Even if you're in school where you don't feel you're supported or you're not sure on what to do, the fact you can have hundreds or thousands of people yeah. of like-minded people ah, all in one place, you can breathe into yeah. that, can't you? And then that just yeah. changes the whole dynamic of how you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably rather than kind of going back too far into 2006, what I would say is a culture of Twitter which is like an enormous staff room, um, the teacher squad, which is a space on Facebook. I don't, I don't manage that. You know, I'm not like an, oh, I don't even know what they're called on Facebook, like an accountant. They're not even called that. Oh, do you know what I mean? Like a, a Facebook manager, admin, admin, that's the word. Uh, I'm not one of them. Um, that has been created from kind of a groundswell movement. Uh, and I'm probably not ask, answering your question here, but when I say my life has completely turned upside down, it has. Because back in 2000, when I was, um, an, in, 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 they were called school improvement advisors, and I wore a specialism of English, my job was to drive to the schools of Northamptonshire. And, uh, you know, I had two strings to my bow, as it were. You rolled up your sleeves and you taught kids. And then the other side was you analyse the quality of teaching and learning in a school. But it was kind of a, a mix of diagnosing, but actually hands on practical support about kind of frontline teaching and learning. Now, Mark, you'll know this living in Northamptonshire. We've got Toaster. We've got Corby. It's actually really sprawling and geographically huge. And um, but that was my job then. When I went freelance, my job moved from Northamptonshire to the world, mainly the UK. But, you know, that's like you're in Scotland on Monday, you're in London on Tuesday, you're in Devon on Wednesday. Can you fly out to Hong Kong? And I remember 
uh, being snuggled up in bed with my husband, because we do still, 27 years of marriage, still <laughs> sleep together in the same bed, just about, uh, waking up one day and just saying, what, what is this, this travelling? It's just exhausting and is making me feel kind of flat. Do I have any more to give? You know, and COVID hit and I opened up my front room as a classroom and I was like the the menopausal answer to Joe Wicks and um, so he's all sort of flamboyant and tanned and has got abs and uh, and I knew I couldn't compete I mean I didn't even have leg warmers but I probably got some old ones from the 80s but he'd do his thing you know loads of kids would go to it parents would go to it fab and then I would rock up after Joe Wicks and say, I'm going to teach you writing. I mean, we had none of the numbers that Joe had. But actually, what we started finding is we were a slow burner. And over COVID, more and more people found us. And um, it was English lessons. It was teaching. And... Um, that had never been done before. And by the end of it, there was thousands of kids um, logging in every day. Um, and I was getting sent all of their work. And I said to them, I'm going to look at your work. I might not be able to mark all your work. But some of the stuff was stunning. You know, it really was. Um, Ian, my husband, was managing the chat. And he, he had to manage sometimes, you know, 6,000 kids and like poo emoji spamming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are, that's a hard crowd of kids to manage. Uh, we sometimes had to lock off the chat. Oh, it was really, but you could suddenly feel it was popping off. Um, and then just the love that we were getting from parents, you know, it was really gorgeous. So that was the day. But then at night, teachers teachers were getting hurt by COVID, like really hurt and lonely. And I'm like, we can't get lonely now. And that's when we started CPD uh, for teachers. And I was so nervous about it, Mark, for so many reasons, because, um, you know, you just think nuances can get lost, Um you know, jokes, camaraderie, uh, anything like that. And just think, I don't, I'm not going to be able to see all of your faces. This might not work. But actually, it it became beyond me because it wasn't about that. It was about then they found each other. We're, we've got uh, CPD marriages. We've got, you know, teacher squad meetups. You know, we've got some big characters in there as well who, who are just sharing, planning and advice and actually nurturing other NQTs who are 20 years strong into teaching. And that love is happening beyond me I it's it's gorgeous and and well that's not very I'll tell you something else about me which is also why I'm rubbish at music uh I'm also rubbish at maths I think I'm a little bit um dyscalculate I'm undiagnosed I've diagnosed myself but I think you know when you say give me a a logical pathway from 2006 you've got no chance 
you've got no chance. Everything in my mind is filed as feelings, but there you go. There's a ramble of a bit of my journey, um, which is now a lot more of this stuff uh, down a lens, but doesn't mean, let me tell you, uh, that I'll stop teaching kids. For me, this is actually a better medium for adults that they can access it at home while they're drunk with their pajamas on, whatever suits them. Uh, but kids, yeah, they'll be, it's almost, it's going to be more perfect because I can teach more. And that's where you learn your craft. That's where you fall on your face. The kids will tell you straight if they don't like it or it's not working or you can feel that the learning isn't palpable. You know, you, you, I love that about kids. You know, uh, adults will never tell you, but kids will. And uh, that keeps you on the straight and narrow about um, how to kind of hone the craft and uh, make it better. Absolutely. And and I love the, I love how the sort of the hybrid of that always works, isn't it? Because like you say, you're never going to be going back to flying all over the country or all around the world because you don't need to anymore because it works so perfectly online. And at the same time, that just frees you up with that time, the, the face-to-face stuff you do want to do, those connections you want to do. You can do with real sort of authority in terms of knowing, like you say, you're going to show up in your best way, which you can't yes. do when, when you're exhausted in the same way as teachers in exactly the same way, you know? And, and um, I mean, this is a bit boring, but you might have experienced this as well in your um, professional life. Um, you can go and play in an orchestra that's well kitted out with good acoustics and you know already some people in the team and it's well organised and everyone knows their role and everyone's rehearsed well. Or you can go to kind of a car crash place. Some people have got the times wrong. It's a bit of a... I mean, that's your life on the road in schools. It's like you'd meet the grumpy caretaker after seven. You go, I weren't expecting you, love. You're like, well, hello. I've just travelled six hours to get here. You know, it's it's like it's a bit chaotic, a school hall. Or we've got to just farm you out because we've got the Joe Wick special coming in. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it can be like you lose control of, I suppose it's what you're saying, like that quality assurance that you kind of add a whim of a, a kind of a school dinner and a, a moody caretaker and a projector that doesn't work. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Nightmare. Put a gun to your head is what I think. Oh. As, as someone who's, who's travelled the country doing music workshops and stuff and I can I can relate to that it's a beautiful thing very early in the morning as you're unloading the car with all your stuff to meeting there's someone who says oh I wasn't expecting the gate to be needed to be opened at whatever time uh, did it? yeah yeah it's your <laughs> oh, first nightmare yeah, yeah exactly so take us now into into the new projects into the book where where did that development come from I mean it sounds like everything COVID related is kind of like say pivoted every thing that you were thinking about in terms of well obviously didn't plan because it sounds like planning isn't something that you want to be doing in that feeling which I absolutely love um so, so where did that come from in terms of that focus and, and why put that in place now okay so essentially um once I broke freelance I knew it was English and how to enhance English and essentially you know ensure that children receive the best provision that they can. Um, all of my work was about um, kind of a systematic clarity for teachers around how can you be better teachers of writing? How can you be better teachers of reading? 
And now my latest work, how can you be better teachers of spelling? And all my work is um, drawn from the science of learning. I'm, you know, I make it my job to read the 257 page latest report from the Education Endowment Foundation, you know, and, and distilling that all together into, um, and all of my work works like this, into a schema, kind of a visual hook. And, and they're, they're actually all rainbows, but this sense of, um, because writing is complicated, reading's complicated, spelling is as well, that, and I suppose the analogy here, I'm getting really excited about music analogies, Martha, don't <laughs> normally package up, but if you think about a jazz pianist who's improvising, it's free form, you've got rhythm and blues, and then they're just flying and it's their own thing. You can't be a jazz pianist from nowhere and actually working that back, the smaller atomized steps. And, and this is, I have this argument a lot about creativity. True creativity has to start from strong knowledge. You know, it. you have to know the atomized smaller steps. You have to know the nuts and bolts so that you can then play around with that and improvise and be creative and make it your own. And that is, I think sometimes people see my work and think, does she not care about creativity? Oh my goodness, that's the ultimate goal. True independence, true choice, creativity, freedom of expression. You know, that's the Zen that we're all reaching for. Freedom of mind, thinking, all of that. And but to get there, we need knowledge. We need to know. We need to know how to do a cliched metaphor so we can create an so you know you're dancing beyond the cliche what is that you need to be taught this stuff so um and then I think the thing is a lot of people worry about young children and creativity because if you say to children can you write a story and you might think oh we'll leave them with a blank piece of paper and they can wows us do you know what it will be a bit disappointing do you know what I mean? It'll be like, oh, there'll be loads of, um, you know, Fortnite in it and a couple of guns. And it's a bit like, oh, damn. And But, you know, actually, once children have got um, true um, control and craft over writing, then, then, and only then can they begin to manipulate uh, bring their imagination and their writing links together. So it's, um, it, but that's crucial. That's uh, spelling's a little bit different, actually. Spelling's a little bit different from pure reading and writing, which is the world of imagination. You know, spelling actually is very mathematical, and so um, I've had to take a a different sort of view on that, which is. You know, it actually isn't anything goes with spelling. We we have to be good at it and we have to show that we're good at it. And by showing we're good at it, there's rules to learn. And we have to teach children to be spelling detectives. We have to teach them the code 
of spelling, which ultimately is phonics. They have to be able to crack that code and enabling and cracking the code, they can become good spellers. And it's that uh, as they get older, that sort of interface between cracking the phonics code and that sort of visual awareness that we all have, which is that doesn't look quite right. There's so many uh, fascinating things about spelling that are really obvious that kids don't know. Like loads of kids don't know. And it's so obvious because we're adults, but loads of kids don't know that every word is a vowel. And loads of kids don't know that multisyllabic words, if you break it back into syllables, every one of those syllables will have a vowel. So when you break mischievous back, every bit of that, like that chunk of a syllable have one or more vowels. So it's kind of that big stuff is sometimes missed. You know what I mean? With, oh, here's your spelling list, send it home, the parents put it on the fridge. Then the parents pass down all this sort of anxiety about the spelling test. They want kids to do well, 10 out of 10. But, you know, kids will get six out of 10 every week relentlessly. And it's still not applied into their real independent writing. You know, and I'm not anti-test, Mark, but that sort of hangover that's been around since I was a kid, you know what I mean? In the 70s, here's your spelling test words. This is not the job for parents. Do you know what I mean? It, it makes for an uneven spelling field. You know, words, we need to teach this in school. We need to teach it well, and we can. You know, we need low stake, you know, quizzes and clarity. It, it's not to be sort of, and then you see the thing is, if we can start pushing all these things out to the community, what it can do for a school is get schools into that sort of negative conversation cycle about, oh, yeah, but, you know, they don't help their kids with spellings. And I, I hate all of that. I hate all of that. It's like, it's let's do it well in school and then we can take all the kudos, you know. And I just love the fact that, or you, you are, and... You kind of put it together and articulated it so well. Everything is about, I think, that creativity and the learning that they're tools in order for children to thrive. And that obviously varies depending on their age. But that's the most important thing. And like I say, all those atomized ideas that you need to do in order to be able to do that. And you're absolutely right, whether it's music, whether it's um, English, whatever that happens to be, it's really, really important. And I think when we're having these conversations now, I think as educators, when you can understand that, and also that perspective of, I'm the adult and the professional in this particular relationship, and I need to make sure that you understand these things, because why would you otherwise because you wouldn't because you know and actually having all those things in place and then then being able to release that creativity and, and I liked what you said those, those sort of small sort of non-essential stakes in things you know just try this try that let's do this you know we've remembered this we've done that you know and then you, when it all comes together everybody's thriving because they're just using the tools they've got to express themselves and you know we're talking specifically about English today but I think it works across the board for all sorts of different subjects. Yeah, and um, we've got, as a profession, we've got a new document called the Great Teaching Toolkit. And that, for me, is kind of the home 
of research, advice, evidence base about actually true creativity is about the smaller sequential steps and because that's what we want children to do and be able to do down the line um, and looping that back to spelling um, I think it's had a bit of a poor looking um, and, and I'm hey I get that it's if you know it feels like how can you get excited about spelling every day you know it's quite tedious isn't it you know it's not it's not it doesn't have the same pizzazz as reading or writing. It's it's much smaller. Um, but I think we can uh, inject kind of new insights into spelling and make it really uh, powerfully interesting for children by having clearer messages about it rather than I think what's historically happened is this negative association with just a test this sense that it's kind of going nowhere but actually let's you know the essence of spelling and my collection of books I mean this is the heart of it Mark the essence of spelling is pattern finding and it's you know if you can spell knowledge uh, which would isn't well probably let's go back a stage if you can spell no you know and that k-n letter at the front if you can spell no then you can spell the beginning of knowledge and knife and a knitting and and it's actually um about you know small phonemic patterns um but i think sometimes people think phonics is get a book open you know um Pat ran, Pat is running, you know, or the pig stuck in the mud, you know, mud on pig, pig in mud. And I'm thinking, can somebody get the bloody pig out of the mud? I'm losing the will to live. You know, it's it's more, it's actually more interesting than that, than, than just kind of phonic reading books. It's about links, joins, connections and patterns and what we're trying to do with the spelling books actually is launch this sense of we need you to be spelling detectives, word warriors, and we want words to be prized and uh, precious possessions, but we want your thinking around them to be kind of the links and joins, the interconnections. And um, the other thing is, this is our... Oh, I've grown and it's real because I have an anxiety um, that people will pick up the spelling books and they've got a pupil side and a teacher side. And I'm so desperately worried, Mark, they're going to get the book. And let's say you're a PE specialist and you teach primary. And think, Oh, it's not really my forte. A bit how I talk about music. Uh, and they take the book and they put it on the photocopier and they go times 30. If that just turns into like a photocopyable resource, I just don't think I'd cope. What it needs to be is I've, I'm meeting you halfway teacher profession. And the reason why I need to keep talking to them, it's like that's the wireframe of thinking. Almost that's a chunk of information, some knowledge kind of sequenced well. But what they need to do that I can't do, it's their school, you know, you, you go to road primary. What What's the community like? What are the weaknesses in your school, in your situation? 
how can we make it live and breathe there and also that is why uh, we've got some some crazy characters we've got a word wizard who can appear as a puppet or he can appear you know a bit like um you know Mork and Mindy Orson you know, like the all the all I say the purpose of the word wizard he doesn't actually have to appear he can be a kind of a voice from above with all knowing nuggets so the point of the spelling book is that we set off and this is creative you know a hypothesis to test you know there are no words in the english language that end in v off you go children but we don't let them flounder because we we've got kind of ideas trails and the word wizard can come in and give us some all-knowing nuggets in a kind of a brian blessed sort of you know I could say, Mrs. C calling word wizard, come in word wizard. I mean, I love Mork and Mindy, is it? In fact, I loved anything from that era. Um, but it's, it's, and teachers, teachers love that most, not because it's, you know, the best plagiarised idea I've ever had, but basically because it's me saying, we are supposed to be enjoying this, folks, and the kids are supposed to be enjoying school. And children who enjoy writing seven times more likely to be our high achievers, to be our great adept writers. You know, we've it, we've got to find a way that they have kind of a positive um, sort of experience of it. Of course, that's half the battle. Yeah, absolutely. And just from a purely practical sense, how, how has it been organised in, in terms of age and key stage and that kind of thing? Yeah. So from a actually, this this is a really tough decision for me because my work is has um, and, it's you know, I don't claim to know anything more than primary age. And that doesn't mean that secondary schools don't um, kind of link up with us, but mainly that's where I work. So that's your five-year-olds to 11-year-olds. But I also know that our early years teachers and our year one teachers like get phonics. They're really good at that aspects of teaching. They understand it. And so I didn't want to sort of bowl in there and say, oh, look, we've got something for you guys, because I'm also crucially aware of sort of initiative overload. Do you know what I mean? I, I know that in school or a new head comes and they're kind of going to transform the behaviour policy or there's a new bit of guidance from the government. And actually, you, you get real burnout from that. So um, from my genuine experience, I knew it was working well there. So I made a decision that the spelling books would be from year two, so your six and seven-year-olds, up to your year sixes, your 10 and 11-year-olds. But what it does, there's five books in that series, is when teachers get it in their hand, it's a year's worth. It's a year's worth of support. It'll take you for the whole of the year, every week. Um, but more than that, more than that year, they know by getting their copy of the book, what they get is uh, you get an invite into kind of conversations and 
do you know, Mark, they're not that sexy. They're conversations <laughs> about teaching and learning. For everybody, you know, Tim Brighouse was the, the LEA officer, the leading guy at Birmingham Local Authority when I was there. And he would often um, quote, and I won't get this quote exactly, uh, the, the Irish playwright, whose name's drifted away from me, that'll come back to me soon. Uh, but he talked about um, teaching is about being a kind of a burning bright light for others, you know, passing your energy on. And he actually talked a lot about the butterfly effect that, the smallest, the smallest of moments kind of teaching interventions can have the biggest of impacts so that, you know, the smallest little things we say to children, of course, and you'll know that about your own life and, and things that have stuck with you as an adult um, can actually be, can make us whirlwinds of humans later on uh, and have inspired us or given us kind of the confidence and that sort of butterfly effect and and that's what I see my job as now uh, which you know hey might get packaged as being really arrogant but I mean it when I say my work is for the community and I am going to do all I can to burn bright and energize beyond me, but to energize them because it's so tough being a teacher. But we we need we need the good people to stay and we need to look after them. You know. Well, absolutely. And I think you're doing a brilliant job of it because it, you know, it comes across in just this conversation and having watched some of your videos and things, you can really just tell from the engagement that's coming from the chat, from the people that are involved. Um, and I think anything which kind of gets that across and, and it's why I love doing the podcast because, you know, everything that you've embraced and told us about today is different, like you say, than when you see a book, whatever that happens to be. And I think having those two things hand in hand and the ability to share the resource, which of course is really important, like I say, they're all the tools that we need, but to understand the person behind it and where it comes from, both in terms of your experience, but also in terms of your passion and, and what we're trying to achieve as an environment, both for the teachers and also for the children, I think is just yeah. is and inspirational. Think, and it's what everyone could really get oh. into from there. So yeah, yeah. absolutely fantastic. And I think, Mark, that the what because times have changed, uh, what it actually does is gives you more certainty that you can explain things down the line or you can have an opinion later on, even though your work is out there. You know, um, I've got lots of books out there, but I can I can then say, actually, my mind has changed about that you know, until we get the next edition out. You can, you, can, you don't feel um, so scared about um, communicating, you know, especially if something's in print, that's quite scary, but you can still have conversations about it, you know, and, and talk to people. And I think it's really important that your mind does get changed by things we know now that we didn't know then, you know, and actually look how much has changed just now. You know, children have been hurt by COVID. We've been hurt by COVID. And actually where children have been hurt is with, with language. You know, it's our three, four and five-year-olds, you know, the mini maskers, you know, uh, and everything's everything's behind a mask. They're not seeing adults 
getting their mouth around words. You know, we talked about syllables earlier. They're not necessarily seeing that, but actually they're not seeing laughter as much. They're not having play dates. They're not you know, going out with gran and granddad so much and understanding all the nuances of language. And we don't even, you know, I don't want to over uh, catastrophize anything, but actually, you know, the beating heart of our recovery is going to be words. It's going to be words and it's going to be talking. And I still find it so interesting. Every survey that's ever done in a school about what teachers want more of, they want time. And um, actually what children want more of, and this just kind of breaks my heart a little bit, they want time. They want more time with adults. They actually want more hugs as well. And I was reading a thread on Twitter that was so exciting about children talking about their most um, happiest moments. Um, and they often involved bubblegum ice cream. <laughs> you know what I mean? But hey, who doesn't want more time hugs and bubblegum ice cream? <laughs> but that Absolutely. blows my mind. Yeah, because I think kids are thinking, wow, that's a taste sensation. You've got bubblegum and ice cream. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's, hey, that's all I want, especially when I'm retired. More time, more hugs, <laughs> things I don't have to chew. <laughs> <laughs> well here's hoping that that all works out for you yeah. <laughs> well, I, th I think my sort of final feeling of all of this is the fact that it's actually just the beginning because i think you know we've sort of set that con we, we, yeah. we've got we've got that conversation ball rolling and i think like you say because you're having these conversations all the time because you've got that expertise and and the volume of people that you're helping and them helping themselves you know that ripple effect i think is incredibly important so just as we wrap up just tell people where they can find out more continue that conversation and get all the great stuff you've been chatting about yeah absolutely so hey I am straddled, would you believe, Mark, uh, across two websites. <laughs> uh, one of them is janeconsidine.com, and that is really uh, kind of the home of online training. You know, if you, if you want to find out about spelling properly, in detailed, uh, no, actually quite in-depth, serious, that's there. That's kind of your nitty-gritty, serious, you know, we need to train all of our staff up on a new spelling curriculum. Um, that's, you know, definitely not PG. That's definitely serious. I mean it stuff. That's there, janeconstein.com. And we have uh, planning and support for teachers and everything for nitty gritty there. But on the training space website, that is more kind of school resources, uh, displays, guidance, resources. So kind of I'm struggled in those two places. But the best fun, if you really want to find the real me, uh, I'm on YouTube regularly. Uh, we're doing Sunday sessions. They start at half seven because we always say, actually, you know, by half seven on a Sunday, if you're a teacher, even if you're trying to resist it, even if you've watched the football, even if you've been to the pub by half seven, you are gripped by the gloom of having to do some planning 
you know, sat at your kitchen table. And so half seven is already, a teacher's head is already thinking about the following week. So that's the teacher o'clock time. Half seven on a Sunday, you know, most Sundays you'll find me there. And there, can I do an absolute blatant plug? <laughs> so yeah, this is my favorite one. This is the year six kind of lilac uh, book. And it's just, it is worth it. You know, it's 20 quid of worth it because that's your year uh, view. You can get it on Amazon. Hey, I'm quite good at that, aren't I? The hard sell vibes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I can, for those people who are listening and can't see. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? She's I'm going to bring mine up as well, which they very kindly sent me. <laughs> so I, I have the green book, which I've been able to go through and see as well. And, and it definitely oh. is worth the money that she said. So, uh, oh, thanks, Mark. Fantastic. Yeah, Jane, it's been... It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so so much for sharing your stories and your and your experience as well. But I think bringing that passion through and that understanding, and I think it just like I say, it lightens the load of what everyone in education is feeling. And I think just gives us spring in the step to what we can do moving forward because it's all about the children. It's all about giving them the skills and the tools that they need. And when you understand that and you feel like you've got people who really know what they're talking about in various areas then you kind of think, yes, we're definitely on the right path, no matter whatever the latest article yeah. is that you feel like <laughs> you needed to be aware of. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that light with us. And, yeah, look forward to being able to chat again very soon. Yeah, well, Mark, you know you know where I am now. Uh, we can keep talking again, and it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.